Welcome to Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast brought to you by Cisco. On this podcast, we take complex tech topics and break them down for the non-tech listener with your host, Ian, Kyle, and Philip. Welcome to Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast brought to you once again by Cisco. As always, I'm your host, Ian, joined by my co-hosts, Kyle and Philip. Guys, how we doing? It's great. We're doing great. Can't wait to talk about some budding technologies. That is correct. As always, you are here to explain to us the latest and greatest technologies. Today, we're doing. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a combo. We're going to do Wi-Fi six and five G, which are two technologies that are different, but. For some reason, I think people get them a little bit confused or think that they're maybe more intertwined than they are, Kyle. Yep, that's right. So let's start where we always start (laughs) with you explaining to us, like we're eight, what these are. Yeah, the, um, the comment about there being some confusion around these two technologies is really just rooted in, one, the time that they showed up in the market is is very similar. And two, there's some fundamental underlying technology just in the the radios and some of the protocols that are used that overlap. But beyond that, there's there's not much uh, there's not much uh, similar well, I mean they're similar, but they're not the same technology. Uh, you know, 5G is cellular technology. Wi-Fi is land technology super oversimplification of the two but yeah out, outside of a couple of things in frequencies and in radios and the use of radios and antennas and transmitters they're wildly different so where do you guys want to start today well that's where i want to start and and phil made me promise before that i i was going to we got to hit the basics a little bit yep but that's where i want to start because why do people think that they compete with each other? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a little confusing. Their confusion is confusing. I'm sure you get it a lot, right, in tech services? Yeah, that, so we're not seeing the demand for 5G technologies necessarily um, as much as we are questions about Wi-Fi 6 and some of the things that that will enable, even in the 5G space, one of the, 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 so both of these technologies came to market because they're solving the same need, which is more devices. The need is not faster speeds. The need is the ability to support more devices. And IoT is one of the big drivers of that. I'll, I'll go ahead and throw out the shameless plug here for our sponsor, but I read a, a Meraki article that said that there's already four times more wireless devices on the planet than there are humans. Four times more devices than humans. I believe that. And by 2022, over half of those devices will be IoT devices. So as IoT becomes more and more relevant, we did a whole podcast, right? Call back to the IoT podcast. Yeah. We did a whole podcast on what that is. All these devices that are enabling our, our smart homes. And the more of those devices that show up on networks, the more 
saturated the networks become, the more collisions and therefore slower speeds and blah, 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 all of that stuff we can get into. But these new technologies, both Wi-Fi 6 and 5G, are both rooted in the need to support more devices. Now, with that comes efficiencies, which also beget faster speeds. But the number of users and number of devices is really what's driving these, these changes. The, the other thing, just real quick, Ian, why they're confusing is because Wi-Fi bands there's a five gigahertz Wi-Fi band that we all know when we connect devices to our home Wi-Fi router. You see a 2.4 gigahertz band and you see a five gigahertz band. Well, unfortunately, five gigahertz has the the number five and the letter G in it. And people just think 5G is five gigahertz. I use that at home. That's not true, not even remotely close. So that's, uh, it's a real like caveman esoteric view on this five. I see five. <laughs> yeah. Five G, five gigahertz, same thing, right? All right. So five G cellular, Wi Fi yeah. six is uh, the wire network. You've got main focus is not the amount of of speed, but the amount of devices. So one thing to clarify to make sure I'm correct with this, I think I am, is well I guess why I know I'm correct. Eight oh two eleven AX. Why why the name change? Uh, because 802.11ax is harder to say than Wi-Fi 6. But we went through this for a while. It's just weird. Yeah, It's just interesting that we changed at some point. So to me, there's a little bit of confusion there. Yep. So we didn't call 802.11 in. We didn't call that Wi-Fi 4. We didn't go to even Wi-Fi 5, really, when we started talking about 802.11ac. But the more adjustments to that standard that happen, the more of a mouthful it is to say it. And it just became vogue to call 802.11ax Wi-Fi 6. And then they kind of backdated the branding on the other ones. But we actually talked about that on Don't Change the Channel, that they were going back and essentially rebranding retroactively the other Wi-Fis, which is great because I feel like one thing, one commonality throughout this Break It Down podcast is that the technology industry loves to go backwards and like reclaim things <laughs> and rebrand things from the past. You mean like toasters as IoT devices? Exactly. <laughs> yep. So how many more devices? Billions and billions, all the devices, Phil. Is this like one of those, like if you were to count to a million, it takes you a day and a half, but if you were to count to a billion, it would take you 5,000 years? <laughs> factor, factor of 100, right? Or factor of 1,000 in that case. If you look in the 5G world, and we can talk about all the bands and things like that that support uh, or are at the root of the 5G technology, but in the 5G world on LTE, which is the most prevalent today, 4G LTE, you can support about 100,000 devices in a square kilometer with 5G, it's a million devices. So it's a it's a factor of 10, right? So in, in the 5G world, the wireless device world, which does overlap with the IoT space, you're looking at, you know, a tenfold, 10x increase in the, in the number of device, devices that can be supported. Now, in the Wi-Fi world, I would say the, the primary consumer can't really saturate a 
Wi-Fi 5 network with devices in their home yet. Now, if you have a, a multifamily dwelling, apartment complexes, townhomes, or whatever, then yeah, maybe. Maybe you're going to see a, a benefit in moving into Wi-Fi 6, but that the target industry right now for Wi-Fi 6 deployments is really very large environments with a lot of users. Think stadiums, think hospitals, think manufacturing plants that have a bunch of IoT devices. That's really where uh, Wi-Fi 6 is being or, or seeing the most traction. And how many devices, it's hard to say. When you, when you look at all the multiplexing these radios are doing now, it used to kind of be a one-to-one. You could only have one device communicating at a time. Now you can have up to nine. You read some articles about the way they're using these wake timers, and you might have 30 users connected to uh, a device or, or through a device into a router, whereas you used to only be able to have it's really hard to say in the Wi-Fi world, Phil, how many more devices you can support because of, you know, this is, both of these technologies are rooted in radio waves being transmitted through the air. So whatever you have that distorts those radio waves in the air control how many devices you can effectively use on in, in either space. Okay. So I want to jump back really quick. Yeah. You mentioned at the beginning they part of the potential confusion was that they came out at the same time, and our friends and sponsors at Cisco did put out this uh, really cool infographic: five things to know about Wi-Fi six and five G. And the first thing is that they're built on the same foundation, which is something you mentioned as well. There are technology similarities. Yep. So the timeline: were they? Is it the technological? similarities that led to them coming out at the same time? Or was that just a pure coincidence that the advances in Wi-Fi and the advances in LTE and data matched up? No, it's so Wi-Fi 6 effectively uses technology developed to support 5G. So it is not a coincidence that the two technologies have advanced to the point where they are now. Even in the 5G space, when those standards first started coming out in 2017, that's when they were issued anyway. The first one, the the non-standalones were issued in 2017. The technology that that is based on is now used in Wi-Fi 6 radios. So they are natural plays on top of one another. And again, because we're talking about transmission of radio waves and receiving of radio waves, these two technologies are very, very similar. And so it makes sense that the fundamental technology and now all the software and all the algorithms that are doing these crazy cool things with radios these days, you can use the same technology in both environments. I'm really glad this podcast has evolved, by the way, to just Philip and I peppering you. (laughs) (laughs) And we have a lot of questions, we said. That's right. Is this a, I mean, is this actively being used or is this like a, for the time being, for the normal consumers in the world, this is like a 2021, 2020. Are you talking 5G or really Wi-Fi I'm talking 6, 5G more? Because so I, I want to I elaborate on that because we asked our latest guest on Don't Change the Channel this as well. Is 5G real? Like <laughs> we're in like this fake 5G world right now, aren't we? That's, yeah. So that's that's fan. That's a fantastic question, and and I would say yes to some extent. We are in this fake 5G world. 
if you want to, you know, call a spade a spade here, the carrier, the large carriers, marketing departments have invented 5G for, you know, their consumers. Now, do they actually have 5G networks? Yes. Do they sell devices that will connect to 5G networks? Yes. Uh, Are you going to see a tremendous difference between 5G and 4G? No, you're not. And the magic part of this or the, or the fake part of it, I, I get it. I know Ian, you were just trying to jump in there, but let me break down a little bit of the why, why it's fake. So there are three different bands, frequency bands in which 5G can be transmitted. There's what they call, I mean, they're low band, mid band, and they don't really call the other one high band. Some of them do, but the high band one is millimeter wave. So if you ever see anybody talking about millimeter wave, They're talking about this high band frequency range for 5G. So the low band of 5G is as close to 4G as you can get. It's in this this low 600 to 800 megahertz frequency range, and it has like a a max download speed in the like 250 megabits range. I mean, that's what you would get from 4G. And oh, by the way, low band 5G, in a lot of places in the country is actually still running on the old 4G LTE infrastructure. So it really is a marketing spin when you look at whether or not these carriers have true 5G. Now the millimeter wave band, that's 25 to 39 gigahertz. So it's way up on the top end of this frequency range where it's not used uh, by consumer devices today. So there's a lot of space in there for the FCC to, to sell off licensing. But in that band, even though you can support crazy high download speeds, like gig download speeds, that radio wave, the millimeter wave, can only travel about 800 feet. So you gotta be standing right underneath the radio to receive a strong, true 5G millimeter wave signal. Now, obviously that doesn't happen. So you end up having this infrastructure of repeaters and radios and transmitters all over the city in order to transmit true high band or millimeter wave 5G. So if you look at the the way that AT&T and Verizon and T-Mobile are advertising their 5G coverage, look at whether or not they're talking about their low band coverage or their high band coverage or or what they will call millimeter wave coverage. Uh, Because millimeter wave coverage is like the NFL cities. There's less than a couple dozen, less less than 40 cities covered by true high speed or high band 5G. Uh, They already covered the nation with 4G and adding low band 5G is no different. So, um, that's where I think you're getting that impression, Ian, that it's fake, that it's fake 5G. Um, it doesn't help things that we've had a major carrier um, call 4G 5G. They called it 5GE, as in the 5G evolution, but it wasn't really 5G at all. So they just confused their customers um, to the point where they were asked to stop doing that. Stop calling it that because it, it was misleading people. So anyway, so there's there's that's what you're seeing today. Now I, I mentioned the mid band, which is it, like like it implies, it's kind of right in the middle. It's a two and a half to 
you know, sub four gigahertz range. You've got almost gig download speeds at that range. You've got a range uh, about a half a mile up to several miles from the radio tower. So you can do a lot more. You can cover a lot more devices with the low band and mid band than you can this millimeter wave because of the physical distance away from the radio um, that you can get. But the real mid band spectrum just became available like in, in September, the FCC sold off the licenses for, um, I can't remember exactly how many channels it was. Um, it was about 70, um, the, the span was about 70 Hertz, I guess. Um, 22,000 licenses somewhere in that range. Anyway, they, they auctioned this thing off for four and a half billion dollars, billion with a B and Verizon spent $1.98 billion buying up the licenses to this airspace. Uh, so they're going to be pushing really hard in that mid band uh, 5g. So, this is a bunch of this is a long answer to a bunch of questions you guys have asked and have implied. But we're today. You go out today to buy a, a phone for the holidays. You're not getting true five uh, G. Not in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, you might if you're in a major metropolis. Uh, but give it two years, and uh, and five G midband will be prevalent. Phil, you give it two years, Wi-Fi six consumer devices will be prevalent. Uh, they're just, both of them are kind of, they're in their infancy in the regard of, are they going to make a difference? Are they really, really, truly 5G and Wi-Fi 6, or are they just masked versions of the old technology? So that's where we are right now. Marketing getting a hold of, ahead of itself, like usual. No, yep. no offense, Ian. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, so is the, the distance which you can pick up the high band, is that a just the band itself or is that technology from the standpoint of will the technology evolve where that will be, you won't have to have repeaters every X number of meters. So that is uh, that is a 100% physics problem. Okay. So at that frequency, uh, the wave, the radio wave cannot survive long distances before uh, it attenuates or by the way, you can't, transmit because of this the same problem the same physics problem you can't transmit millimeter wave 5g through anything like a wall or the window of your car uh, or the leaves of the trees nearby so that signal just doesn't survive long enough uh, for it to be really prevalent unless you 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 know well still even with repeaters in cities by the way um that's a fun little experiment for you. If you visit a true 5G city, uh, there will be 5G radios hidden in plain sight, like I said, at less than every 800 feet that you walk around. So have fun looking for those things. They, they look like small trash cans, right? They can be that. They can be on lampposts. They can be signs on buildings. There's all kinds of uh, crazy, clever ways of hiding those things in plain sight. But yeah, so Phil, that's the... It, it will never get better than that. The uh, radios themselves can boost their signals. But again, we're talking about radio waves across air. Air is the medium. And uh, there's all kinds of interference out there. And by the way, that wave is tiny. So uh, it doesn't survive very long. So assuming in these smaller cities, 
where you probably won't find a, a time in the future where we have just probably because of the cost of putting repeaters and everything everywhere. Are we probably in the 5G world, like a city like River Cyclona, going to kind of max out at the medium in the future? I personally think that'll be, yes. I, I think the, the mid-band will be the most prevalent thing for, for quite a while. Um, middle, millimeter wave technology will become more prevalent as security starts to advance. So that's one of the topics I'm sure you, you guys wanted to cover today, but one of the other concerns with 5G out there is just how secure 5G networks are. And uh, we got to get past that before I would start to see those millimeter wave networks becoming, becoming more prevalent. Uh, there is a large hardware component to this, obviously, as you have to have radios transmitting these signals. Uh, but one, both of these technologies, Wi-Fi 6 and, and uh, 5G, are being powered by software and virtualization and not just new hardware. So that's uh, one of the security risks, obviously, is as you start to virtualize what's controlling these devices, that creates a whole new attack vector for uh, bad actors. So I was going to ask about this already, but this might be a good segue to it. Is that somewhere where private LTE might come in and play a role in helping develop out parts of, I mean, obviously they'll be in the big casinos and stadiums and all of that, but like in smaller cities, will we see a private LTE play or, and I guess my larger question is 5G to me continues the trend of private LTE being a, a larger play for partners and service providers and, and something that we'll see more and more in our own life. Yeah, so it's, I guess, fundamentally, it's about, uh, oh, the concern becomes guaranteeing your bandwidth. And if you if you read on what the security concerns really are around 5G, um, it's, not, it's not fear-mongering. I mean, this is, it's true. It's not just people bucking a new technology as it comes, as it enters a market. But if you're truly going into these millimeter wave in, uh, networks, you, you have to, have a much larger hardware footprint and and subsequently software footprint because of what's what's controlling them and every instance where you're deploying either those the hardware or the software and controlling these networks or defining these networks that's a that's an entry point in uh, in an attack vector private lte gives you more control over that but the technology the 5g technology in and of itself is is not the issue it's the you know it's the landscape of how many devices are out there that become entry points into the network so i mean one of the big concerns is is a you know, denial of service attacks or, or ddos you know distributed denial of service attacks and if you've heard this this term of uh, botnets that's the fear that 5g is going to enable that so now we've got this network that can support multiple devices it was designed to support multiple devices. So let's put devices on it. Well, what happens when you put a device on there that can easily be hacked and the uh, used maliciously to launch attacks, those types of things. So 
the, the more control that you have over your network and your bandwidth, uh, the, the better off or the more secure, the more confident, the more reliable um, your connection to your data and to the internet and things like that all become. So I think private LTE is just a backup plan. Okay. I, I, I think it's uh, certainly valid in certain industries, but I, I don't think its existence is going to slow down the adoption or development of 5G. All right. Phil, do you have anything else? Because I got one more. I got, I mean, just uh, kind of interested is, so a lot of this is marketing to me. I mean, I kind of talked a little bit about this. Is there anything about the last nine months around COVID that has affected where this will go and how it's being used or is it slowing certain things down? So many people stuck at home. Just wondering if there's any effect of kind of the change in the world's environment. Yeah, I, I, um, I really don't think so in the 5G space. I think 5G is evolving because the typical consumer now has multiple devices and they don't own multiple devices because of uh, safety or health or any of those types of things. They, they have wearables, they have mobile devices and tablets and phones and you name it. So all of those devices that need cellular connectivity or what's really driving 5G. Now in the Wi-Fi 6 space, I could I could see the the rush to a remote workforce um, ushering in the need to for more consumer Wi-Fi 6 products. So again, the, the underlying uh, problem to solve there with this with this advanced technology or enhanced technology is more devices. So the more uh, family members in the same location, all um, trying to connect throughout the day, um, the more you need, uh, you need better Wi-Fi. I hate saying that. That's such a consumer thing to say, but you, you need, you need the Wi-Fi six technology. You need advanced uh, um, networking controls in order to support all of those devices. You guys know this. If you, if you're working from home, at 10 o'clock in the morning, things are fine. When you try to work at three o'clock in the afternoon, everything's slower. Uh, that's because all the kids just got home from school and fired up their Xboxes and Playstations. And now you've got this drain on your pop, which slows things down. That's no different in the Wi-Fi space inside your home. So the more devices you connect uh, inside your home to your Wi-Fi router, the less efficient that router becomes in handling all of that traffic. And that's that's what Wi-Fi 6 is solving. So in the context of a remote workforce, Phil, yes, I, I, I think that will help drive um, consumers to deploy Wi-Fi 6 products. All right, Ian, you got one more. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not really a question. It's an opinion, I guess. But uh, it, it just seems like the, the true benefits of, of both Wi-Fi 6 and 5G, but really, I guess, primarily Wi-Fi 6, focus primarily on kind of fixing things that were previously issues, right? Connectivity between devices, compatibility with different products, 
and yet, and, and, and obviously, I guess at a true technological level, speed is a component of that, right? Like we're increasing bandwidth, but the reality is none of us are ever going to see that bandwidth. This just provides good, like consistent connections and, and I guess speed to devices in a higher density areas. But it's just so interesting to me that like when you go, if you go type in Wi-Fi 6, every single article and, and one of them, like The Verge, they were an article, Wi-Fi 6, is it really that much faster? But it's so funny because nothing, there's one of the 10 segments in the article actually talks about speed, but it's like, that's what people want to know. But uh, I guess it just is kind of that consumer, the consumerism in it and like bigger, faster, stronger. But it just seems like there's so much more to this than just the the high level speed of it. Yep. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time trying, because of the, the forum of this podcast, we, we try to break it down right so I, I, I try to relate it to uh consumers um but we also know part of our audience are you know our partners that that have it practices and uh wi-fi six the increases in the amount of bandwidth that you can um, transmit and consume wi-fi six is just now is you know just south of 10 gigs 10 gigs per second it's almost three times more yeah, no consumer's ever going to see that coming into their home, right? So they won't ever notice a difference in the the speed that Wi-Fi six a Wi-Fi six home router would would give them. Now, again, when you look at all the devices that get added, more devices means more collisions, which means slower speeds as the the hardware tries to process all the requests. So, yeah, they might see an uptick in bandwidth. They might see an uptick in, in response time at home, uh, but you really will in the workforce, in an environment, again, uh, healthcare environments, manufacturing plants, where you have lots of data that's being sent device to device, not on the internet, but just device to device. Uh, lots of streaming op- um applications in the IoT world, latency and response time is key. Uh, so, all of these fundamental technology enhancements uh, are really interesting in that space. So just to, and this may sound really dumb, so we'll cut it if it does, but basically we're driving on an interstate instead of a two lane road, but the, the speed limit is still the same. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very cl- in the consumer world. I would say, yeah, that's very close. Well done, Phil. There we go. What not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this was a wonderful discussion. I do feel smarter, which I feel like is always my goal of these. And hopefully our audience does as well. And uh, we appreciate it, Kyle. Yeah, no problem, guys. I know this uh, ended up being a lengthy one, so good luck to the editing department. But uh, it was. Uh, I- I'm glad we combined these two. Yeah. Until next time. Today's interview is brought to you by Cisco WebEx. Cisco WebEx is a platform 95% of Fortune 500 companies use for their collaboration needs. WebEx Meetings brings people from all over the globe together. It's like being there in person even when you can't be. Join from any device and get HD quality audio and video and even share your screen. From online meetings to whiteboarding to file sharing with the whole team, work progresses with WebEx until millions do their best teamwork. 